Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. All right. Well, Lucas, it was uh, it was quite quite a week for a big return in uh, in the lives of both you and I and uh, Japanese wrestling fans all around the world. Oh yeah, we're gonna start with this. I was gonna say uh, it was certainly quite the week on the world stage, uh, which had me pretty downtrodden. But the thing that cheered me up the most of all the bad stuff that happened this week was that uh, Shibata came back to New Japan, which was uh, a shining beacon uh, of happiness in such a crappy week for the rest of the world. For sure. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, here on Elwood City Limits, if you'll allow us to get a little bit geeky for a second, Lucas and I a big fan of Japanese professional wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, one of our favorite wrestlers who was thought to have been injured, perhaps for good, uh, came back to the ring this week, and we were very happy to receive him, Katsuyori Shibata. And Lucas, I think you're probably even more excited than I was. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got a style that I've always really liked. I'm a big MMA fan, and he kind of brings that realism to professional wrestling. And I also was very... Uh, my, I thought his condition was a lot worse, I guess, evidently, than it ended up being because the rumors were that he wasn't able to walk and he didn't have feeling in the right side of his body. So just to see him walk and and he seems totally fine, uh, was it really brightened up my day. It sure did for me too, and I mean, no, even if even if uh, you weren't the biggest fan of him, it is very good when somebody is able to come back from injury like that and uh, and uh, yeah, defy all the odds. So that was certainly good, uh, Lucas. You mentioned it really quickly there, but I mean, quite a week it's been since uh, we were here just uh, last Friday for that episode. And if you, and if you don't mind, I just want to make a, a a quick quick statement here there's so many ways i can start this but basically i i know that you who listen to elwood city limits you know you want to have fun listening to this and that's what we want to do too we love having fun and this is this is very fun for us to do but this past week uh especially for our american listeners has probably been very difficult and uh with the events in especially i'm referring to uh, charlottesville virginia uh with the um situations going on over there uh of course it's been all over the news i don't want to necessarily make you rethink about that or relive that but i did want to take an opportunity to just make something very very clear uh and that is and i'm speaking for myself and i'm sure i'm speaking for uh my co-host lucas as well but if you are the sort of person who is quite frankly if you are on the side of the the racists, the Nazis, the awful people who are perpetrating these horrible things that have been happening not just in Virginia, but all over the country of America, all over North America, all over the world. Flat out, we don't want you listening to this podcast. We're going to have fun after this, I promise, but I need to make that very, very clear. If you are the type of person who is sowing the seeds of hatred no matter where you are, whether it's our friends in America, whether it's here in Canada, whether it's anywhere throughout the world where you're listening, if you're the type of person who is propagating hatred, flat out, stop listening to this podcast, and we hate you. I I, uh, I totally agree with you, Will. Uh, and I'll also say that if you uh, use the podcast as an escape of sorts or prefer to think of uh, more positive things, uh, don't feel ashamed of that and We'll move on, but it was good to get that out of the way off the top because I think it needed to be said. Yeah, it's as clumsily as I could manage to say it. I wanted to make sure that that was out there and we support everybody who is fighting against uh, injustice, intolerance, and uh, everything else that's bad in this world. But now let's talk about something good because this 
is Elwood City Limits, the episodic podcast where we talk about episodes of Arthur, the classic PBS television series, bringing people together one Arthur episode at a time. My name's Will Young, and of course, that's Lucas Mancini, my co-host. Hey, back at it again. That's right. Uh, We've got ourselves an episode here of Arthur. Uh, Really quickly, no emails this week. However, uh, Lucas, do you remember last week when we were talking about DW goes to Washington and you and I wondered what the traffic situation was like in uh, D.C.? Oh, I saw this. I saw this. This is great. Yes, we had uh, we had a tweet come in on at ECL podcast. Uh, there was a shot of the uh, the DC Expressway, you might say, in that last episode, and I wondered, is DC traffic really like that? Well, at this Gully Fern uh, tweeted us and said, "Hey there, DC person here, confirming that traffic is like that." <laughs> well, there you have it. I wonder if uh, almost every major metropolitan city is like that, or if DC especially has bad traffic. I guess I'd have to go there myself to figure out for sure. Um, that's actually a place I'd probably like to visit. So much history and stuff to see. Sure, we could make it like a Elwood City Limits class trip someday. <laughs> Maybe someday, <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into it now. We've got two full Arthur stories here, and I'm excited to talk about these ones. The first one is DW's Dear Friend. And make no mistake, that's D-double-E-R, not the other way around. I see what you did there. Right off the bat, we get uh, we get to know that Arthur has great taste in desserts because the cake he's so excited about happens to be my favorite cake flavor. Though, admittedly, I'm not a big cake guy. Uh, I prefer a nice pie when it, we're talking about homemade baked goods. Uh, but this is what I believe to be the best cake around. I knew that you would have something to say about this because you've made, uh, you've made no bones about... Uh, the fact you've made no bones to me about the fact that your favorite cake is carrot cake and not even is Arthur's favorite cake your favorite cake but Arthur's getting a double decker that's right that's why he's so excited it's not only that that it's carrot cake it's double decker now just like you like carrot cake uh, Lucas I love continuity and we certainly got that here in the cold open because uh it's time for another weekend trip for the Reed family. Last episode was DW Goes to Washington, where Arthur decided that they would go to Washington, D.C. for their weekend trip. And now Arthur knows very well that this one isn't going to pan out his way because it's DW's turn to choose where they go. Uh, great continuity. It, what's interesting is usually when they do something like this, it's uh, in the two stories that are contained in one episode. Uh, we saw a lot of this in the first season where the two stories would have some sort of through line or thread or even just have direct continuity with one another. So it's interesting to see it go across episodes now. Arthur says that, of course, if it's DW's choice, then it's got to be Ponyland. We're finally going to see the vaunted Ponyland. And we get a little uh, insight in, into Arthur's idea of what Ponyland, the experience of Ponyland will be, because his dad says, how bad could it really be? And Arthur's imagination is that basically it amounts to uh, torture for him because in <laughs> in the in his imagination he is he's not he's not strapped to the chair so apparently he's there of his own volition like he could leave at any time he is sitting on a chair and there are two uh, circles going around him one of children and one of ponies who uh, I should I should say like more My Little Pony style ponies who are kind of going around in circles just. Uh, singing some inane song and Arthur is he's not going anywhere even though he probably could but he's just screaming and screaming and he just yells my brain is melting it's pretty horrific it's like in men who stare at goats where they use like the Barney song as torture that's what I was thinking is that it reminds me of all of those times when you would have you know somebody in their hidey hole somewhere and they just put the speakers in and they're blasting like uh uh wannabe by spice girls or backstreet boys <laughs> really loud and uh, except for arthur that is the ponyland song or this whatever this is it's not really any kind of a song uh <laughs> i love this dw is uh, aware that she holds all the power in this situation oh so she's, she's milking it for all she can that's exactly what i have here dw is milking it like hmm where do i wanna go <laughs> yeah. 
wherever we wherever I pick, we all have to go. Mommy, Daddy, Kate, and Arthur. And she even she even continues that from the cold open into the actual episode. And instead, sh- uh, swerve of all swerves, DW decides she wants to go camping. Well, before she actually decides where she wants to go, we get this great cliffhanger before the ac- episode starts. Uh, and it's sort of of Arthur's face, like, aghast. Yeah. And, <laughs> which, which would be, it's a very meme-worthy face. Like, it's almost Scream or, like, Kevin from Home Alone, where his mouth's wide open. And then we get to hear that camping's the actual answer. Yeah, don't worry. Look out for that screen cap coming up this week on our on our socials. But yeah, DW wants to go camping. Camping in the great outdoors. And uh, when asked why, she says, I don't know. I just want to go camping. And uh, her parents are all for that, and Arthur much prefers that to Ponyland. Uh, it cuts to mom and dad who are kind of washing the dishes, and I really love this part. Oh, we- there's so Whenever they talk about, like the validity of tv as an educational tool they always get really meta with it like this is something i never picked on picked up on as a kid uh like whenever arthur comments on the influence of tv on young minds i guess it's because i was a young mind at the time but as an adult these jokes are so meta and not just like tv but specifically educational tv uh, which we've seen in a couple of episodes, even this season. So mom and dad are talking about how they're so proud that DW uh, decided to go camping. And uh, dad specifically says it proves that by limiting her TV time to educational content, uh, she's learning to think for herself and not just parroting what the TV says. So they both go, they are both outside of the living room where Arthur and DW are watching, presumably educational TV. And DW, <laughs> she has this great line, Arthur, isn't it time to experience the wonders of the great outdoors? And as as mom and dad are kind of congratulating each other, they hear that same thing. It's time to experience the wonders of the great outdoors here on the Great Outdoors channel. And it turns out that DW, even through watching educational content, has been parroting a commercial that she's been seeing for visiting a national park going camping and she, because she wants to see all of the wild animals in their natural habitats. It's, and, it's, a, it's a complicated joke because what they're saying here is that DW is still very much influenced by TV, but it's not necessarily always a negative influence. Like, if a TV show makes her want to go see the great outdoors, that's actually a pretty positive thing. But yet she is just parroting, like, she's so susceptible to, like, any... And Arthur, too, we've seen in past episodes, whenever there's, like, an advertisement, they always, like they they always dive deep and are like okay yeah i'm all in on whatever the tv is telling me yeah exactly and dad himself is just like camping is still a good thing and mom's just <laughs> like i need to buy her more books <laughs> yeah that was a great line funny also because here in canada this year we've had um a big ad campaign for our national for our national parks uh everybody gets like a free pass to go visit national parks right for uh, canada's 150th anniversary that's right so that kind of reminded me of that same uh uh drive to get people uh, out and experiencing the wonders of the great outdoors uh so they're all packed up eventually and ready to go they're all in their uh kind of naturey outfits another uh see right for outfit change i like right. everybody's I- got their camping plaids yeah, They're, they look like they just raided an uh, Eddie Bauer or an LL Bean. <laughs> Dad's got his stylish bucket hat. That's right, Schoolboy Q taking a page out of his book. I wore I wore a bucket hat all the time back uh, when I was like ten and eleven years old. That was I went from baseball hats to uh, uh, bucket hats, and then you get no the most sun that. coverage. It's very very utilitarian. Yes, it is absolutely, and I think that's why my mother loved that I wore it. We get a great line here. I mean, hey. Uh, spoilers for this episode, it is chock full of great lines, so there's a bunch of them that I wrote down. Uh, one of them is uh, Arthur being being dejected and saying, I'm going to be trapped in a tent all weekend with DW, and Dad says, you make it sound as if DW is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, oh. immediate, it's immediately her like honking on the horn for them to get going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought it's like, you make it sound like she's difficult. Uh, yeah, bro, you know your daughter? She totally is. 
Oh, it was so good. There's and uh, do what's great about the lines in this episode is there's a lot of good delivery, and we get that in the next scene where they're sort of driving to their camping spot, mm-hmm. and DW isn't using her normal inflection. She's like talking like she is the host <laughs> of a nature yeah. show, pointing uh, out all the imaginary animals she sees on the way, even a lost penguin. Uh oh, it's a lost penguin! Like really <laughs> dropping it down an octave. I also appreciated her um her take on a hundred bottles of beer on the wall. It's it's a uh, hundred bunches of bears, and the line goes: If one bunch of bears comes to live at our house, then ninety nine bunches of bears in the woods. So they all they get all set up finally at their camping spot. And hey, uh, any but since so we've been talking about the location of Elwood City. If anybody has a good idea of what national park this might be, based on our previous episodes. Let us know. Uh, oh, interesting! I didn't even I didn't even consider this. Well, now we know that Elwood City is at least a weekend drive away from Washington D.C. Yes. So. Uh, oh yeah, that, that's right. That's a clue because we knew that Arthur's dad only had a week to get there, and they didn't take a plane. Uh, not but, oh, not a week. Excuse me. He only had like a day because he had the weekend off. That's right. They would have had like Saturday, Sunday, probably. So we uh, get them starting to set up, and then uh, Arthur and Dad immediately uh, go f- go fishing while uh, Mom, Kate, and DW are going to go on a nature hike. And uh, on their nature hike, uh, they pretty much only see a spider, which DW is just like, it's just like the old spiders we have at home. <laughs> I liked uh, Arthur and Dad fishing because oh, they're just... What was, what was so great about this is um, it's really hard in like a 22-minute... Uh, animated show to let a joke breathe. They talk about that on the commentary track of the Simpsons movie. There's a joke in the Simpsons movie where Lisa's sort of going door to door and it's this long shot. And they talk about in the commentary track, like in a 22 minute episode of something, it's so hard to like argue for the time to let a joke breathe like that, but they could do it in a movie. And this was a great example of this in Arthur. There really isn't really isn't any jokes that are delivered with like this much of a beat in them. Yeah, really? So, this is fishing. Yep. And 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 it made me realize, so, like, Lucas, you've mentioned before that you've gone camping with your dad. My family was not a camping or really outdoorsy family at all, so I've never been fishing myself, and now I completely understand why the thing when you're an adult is to bring, like, a 12-pack of beer on a, on a fishing trip. Fishing's actually, I, I, I don't fish a lot. Uh, in fact, I've only fished one or two times in my life. Uh, and it was more like a fly fishing, like out of a stream than in a boat. Uh, but it's pretty fun. Like, if you just, like, r- relax. It's essentially like you're having a conversation with someone you like in nature. And it's just a, a another supplementary thing. I would compare it to, like, this is kind of a weird example. But you know when people play Destiny and they're like, oh, Destiny's kind of boring. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. But it's fun to be in voice tra- chat with my friends. It's I, feel like, I feel like people who are way into fishing feel the same way. It's more like a social activity than it is for actually actually like catching fish. Exactly. Eventually, they do manage to catch... Uh, Dad manages to catch a fish after falling asleep. And they bring it back after... Uh, the others come back from their hike. I like DW's line here of, uh, at, like, how was the hike? And DW says, the forest is a big, dirty ripoff. <laughs> this next uh, scene, like, I could see what was about to take place a mile away. But I'll actually <laughs> say that that's, like, that just means these characters are well fleshed out that I can predict all of their reactions in this situation. Uh, it shows there's depth to what the writers have done with like, okay, I knew exactly what DW was going to do. I knew exactly what Arthur was going to do. And I knew exactly how his parents were going to react. And that just shows how well fleshed out those characters are thus far. That's a great point because we've already had the episode where, you know, DW mourns for the loss of poor Spanky. And so I'm sure the sight of another dead animal is not what she wants to see. Uh, the, you know, the, they have the fish out there and it, you know, it's not, you know, thankfully. Excuse me, Will, Will, fish. have some respect for the dead. He's not just the fish. We're talking about Bucky here. Bucky, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, Bucky is out there and they're getting ready to cook him. And, uh, DW takes a look at him and just starts crying. It's says, poor little fish. And then mom and dad look at each other like, uh, oh, <laughs> the perils of having a child who is an animal lover. 
uh, or perhaps an animal herself. So they give Bucky a dignified funeral. DW with another great line here. You were dead, so you never met me. You would have liked me. (laughs) Hey, as far as eulogies go, it's not the worst I've heard. Certainly not. And thankfully, they brought food so that they weren't completely dependent on Bucky uh, to fill their stomachs. Although, DW doesn't like fish, so I wonder what she was going to be eating anyway. Hmm, that's a good point. <laughs> and then they they kind of there's a shot of them outside the tent at or the a shot of the tent outside at night and it's DW asking, "What if I never meet any wild animals that Arthur and Daddy haven't already killed?" <laughs> I I love that line. That was one of my favorite lines of the episode. And Dad's just like, "DW, go to sleep." Speaking uh, of this tent, this is a big big tent. I don't know like Wait, let me do the quick math real quick. Okay, four-person, uh, not counting Kate. This is a four-person tent, and they're all squeezed in, like, side-by-side. Side. Uh, it's huge. Yeah, no, you're right. It is pretty big. It's almost like, almost seems like the size of the uh, of the tents they had at Camp Horsewater. Oh, yeah. So that next morning, DW wakes up before everybody and sees a shadow of a deer outside of their uh, tent, and she kind of spooks him by loudly saying, Hi! And then uh, runs away, and she's those. Uh, li- those of you playing ECL bingo, cross off your animal hierarchy square. Oh boy! I mean, we could really get into it, and we're gonna have to like kind of we're gonna have to dance around it at some point, people. So just get ready, keep those bingo cards out, and and uh, hey, keep that drinking to a minimum. I'll say uh, this about the animal hierarchy. <laughs> I was reading an article the other day about Walt. Walt, you know how uh, showrunners will sort of have like a bible of what you are and are not allowed to do with the certain characters. Like yep. for instance, Pokemon aren't ever allowed to be seen eating other Pokemon. They always eat Pokemon food. Right. Uh, well, someone was talking about the original Walt Disney one, and Walt Disney's explanation for why Goofy is bipedal. Uh, and uh, Pluto is like a regular dog, but Goofy is like sentient, is because Goofy is a funny animal, and Pluto is an animal. All right. Well, I, I'm sure it makes sense to them. They're millionaires, so, uh, so what do DW, I know? So, DW, under that logic, DW is a funny, funny. animal. <laughs> yeah, the funny animals of Elwood City. So, uh, hmm, I guess that's capital F. Capital A. I'll take your I'll take your word for it there. Uh, so DW is a little disappointed that she wasn't able to make friends with the deer, but Mom reminds her that deer are easily frightened, so she has to stay very still. So for the ensuing day after this, DW says uh, says no to a canoe trip and just proceeds to sit as still as she can for pretty much the entire day. And we get like a montage of things going on behind her as she is sitting still. And I kind of thought it was funny. How uh, DW staying quiet and still for a whole day leads to what seems to be a pretty great day for the rest of her family. Well, even Arthur says he's like, if I if all I had to do was tell Arthur a deer was in the woods at our house and she would be quiet all day, I would have or something around those lines. Yeah. And yeah, no, it really it really uh, gets her quite reverent of the deer. Uh, she does eventually see it again. Um or I, or I should say, like, she has kind of her imagination of what she, her expectations uh, for what she wants to happen with the deer. She, you know, she wants to meet it. She wants to become friends with it. In this little aside here in her imagination, uh, she, she uh, the deer ends up introducing her to Rudolph, who lives in the same woods that she's in. Yeah, DW not quite versed in the difference between deer, elk, reindeer... She also Gazelles. Yeah. Uh oh, news. There you go. God can't forget about the everybody forgets about the news. Uh and uh also I guess learns how to fly. So so by her logic, this deer is also a reindeer, which also makes him one of Santa's reindeer. So she learns how to fly from that. It's at some point she sees the deer again. I, I believe it's before everybody wakes up again, like the next morning, and she is getting ready to go feed him some crunch cereal and dad has to has to put a stop to that really quick because of course you know as you and i know uh deer deer doesn't like people food it's his his habitat and you need to be respectful of this episode kind of uh grinds to a halt right here and we just get a quick animal safety instructional speech from uh dw's dad 
Like, you could chop this part of the episode out and just kind of show it to kids before you give them a tour of a national park. Yeah, it's not quite the most subtle that these kinds of themes have ever been in Arthur. It's definitely uh, putting that kind of stuff wholesale into their script. Uh, but uh, Dad does say, you wouldn't like it if somebody came into your house and fed you strange food. DW says, oh, what if it was a deer? And then we get the kind of the second part. So there's like three parts of DW's imagination of uh, what this deer would be like. Um, I believe at this point we have named the deer. And she, she does say like uh, she calls him Walter, Walter Deer. Walter in this second one uh, moves home with them. And we even see him in like the backseat of the car as he waves goodbye to the park ranger. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> But <laughs> I mean, there's uh, if that's the thing you took issue with, it wasn't the the deer like waving and like get willingly get into a car back seat. It was like, mm. huh, these park rangers don't seem to be doing a very good job. <laughs> well, they don't, but not very I'm, diligent. But I mean, hey, fair enough. We're really going to be bending the rules here of what animals, what non funny animals can and can't do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so back at home, DW, uh, DW and Walter are best friends. Walter sleeps in the same room as DW. Uh, they are like taking baths together. They're watching the same TV shows. They're even part of like a ballet recital together where DW does this amazing one armed, like military press lift of this enormous deer over her head. Yeah. I wonder if he went up easy or if he was, uh, <laughs> if he sandbagged her. Exactly. If he, you want to know if, if that's if, the case, DW is very strong. If Walter posted enough, <laughs> uh, and fi and finally of him uh, eating a cake inappropriately at Grandma Thora's house, like he kind of puts his whole face in it. I did. I must say, during this part, I really liked uh, the music. I thought that the music uh, was really cool. They used a bunch of different instruments that they don't normally use. Like uh, there was a type of flute in there. There was a really jazzy saxophone part at the end too. Mm -hmm. It had like a, a, a 90s like sitcom montage kind of feel. Yeah, very lighthearted. Yeah, very genuine. So after kind of thinking about this and trying to convince her parents to uh, let her bring the deer home with her, uh, DW runs crying back to the tent because she's just like, you... You don't want me to have any friends who are wild animals. He's very upset about this, crying. And again, we get another kind of like uh, word from us kids message here uh, into mom's dialogue as she's trying to comfort her of just like, Walter wouldn't be happy at our home. He has a family here in the woods. Uh, would you? She says, would you like it if uh, somebody came and took you away from your family? DW's just like, like... Just Arthur or everybody? <laughs> she's got to she's gotta clarify. Hmm. And then we get the third of DW's imaginations of what life with Walter would be like. And this is where uh, Walter starts talking. And uh, he has this kind of weird child voice. Like, he looks yeah. like a deer. But I guess he's, like, aged to be close to DW. So he just kind of sounds like a young boy and it's I, I wasn't a, a fan I wasn't a fan of Walter's VO or uh either and I'm glad you brought that up to me he sounded like have you ever watched Broad City no but go on there's a character in Broad City one of the main characters Alana and there's an episode where she has to do her taxes uh, uh and she's like it's gonna be the first time I do my taxes without my mommy and daddy <laughs> and Walter sounded a little bit like her impression there of like a baby who can't do its own taxes I see I see yeah no I kind of see that it's just like uh I miss my mom and dad and yeah my yeah and my brothers and my sisters and he also says, interestingly, I'm the only wild deer in town, so I'm not sure if that may be implying that there are non-wild deer in Elwood City. Will, we've been over this. He, he could have just said, I'm the only non-funny animal in town. <laughs> he needs the proper nomenclature. Uh, the, the closest I can think of is that we do have uh, George, who's a moose, but are there, like, deer friends are, I think are so. there i think i think that's deers. why he specified wild i think there's definitely funny deer <laughs> uh yeah but dw realizes that yeah he probably wouldn't be very happy and also would have a really weird voice if uh, <laughs> she brought him home so she decides to let that go and then finally it is the day where they're uh i guess sunday where they have to leave 
Uh, DW kind of watches Walter from the bushes one more time, kind of comes up to him very gingerly and just like more just kind of gets into his field of vision, but doesn't really move. And the, and they both kind of lock eyes for a second. And uh, DW is happy that she got a little bit of time with her dear friend as they drive away. But the end of the episode, we get swerved. The- they were funny animals all along. <laughs> Or, or or something, I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of third classification here. So from the woods, we see Walter and presumably his father uh, watching them drive away. And he has the same voice from DW's imagination. And he says, she watched me all week from the bushes. I wish we could have taken her home. And then his, and then his father, who clearly has the voice of Mr. Ratburn, says uh, <laughs> they, she never would have been happy with us. And they live in those metal rolling things. So... And then they just walk away, and that's the end of the episode. So we're really going elbow deep into the magic realism bag for this episode of Arthur. Yeah, it leaves us with a lot more questions than it does answers. Boy, does it. Uh, no word from us kids this week, and we move into... Uh, I actually didn't realize for like some reason uh, that this was the episode that we were getting with Buster Hits the Books. Uh, we get... Now... I guess this is more of a traditional Arthur cold open. I, I guess there's more of him directly addressing the camera in certain situations than there are of, like, the actual matter of the episode by this point. Uh, sorry, I zoned out for a second there. I'm a little confused. <laughs> uh, I'm, what I mean is there are more uh, cold opens of uh, Arthur directly addressing the camera in kind of a meta style rather than the one we got Uh, in the last story. You know what I'm saying? Then in medias res. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, rolling starts. Yeah, I understand. It's more Arthur usually sets up the episode Ferris Bueller style. Ferris Bueller style. I could have just said that, and I've been saying that for all this time. I can't believe I forgot. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, so it's Arthur talking books. It's his main. It's his main subject here. It's what they pay him the big bucks for. And uh, doing I mean, so- I mean, Reed is in his name. Ta- and and I must say, taking a page out of oh. the book of Gumby, he's doing it like he's entering the books. You ever watch a? You ever watch a Gumby short and he's like going into the books? Gumby and Pokey. Uh, I was very very young at the time. So I don't really remember anything about it besides, like, the titular characters. Uh, but I'll take your word for it. I'll use uh, – have we talked about Wishbone before? It's kind of like Wishbone. Sure. Ex- I, I say Gumby because he's physically entering the books. But in a way, it is kind of like Arthur contemporary Wishbone in that he is uh, – in fact, maybe that'll be uh, maybe that'll be something we'll talk about uh, uh, in about eight months or so. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. I haven't, I haven't uh, thought of Wishbone in a long time. Anyway, Arthur going through all these different types of books and how there's like, you know, picture books, chapter books. There's all kinds of books about this and that. Uh, he finally finds one about the ocean and a, like a huge wave of water hits him. And it turns out Buster is in that book with his uh, weird swim cap and all. And he's kind of snorkeling. <laughs> Buster enters the cold open. He asks Arthur what he's talking about. And Arthur says, I'm t- telling everybody about books. Buster says, Books? Who cares about books? Oh <laughs> my gosh. This I was laughing so hard. Uh I could not believe it. I'm laughing just thinking about like Arthur's like look of shock and dismay and, and Buster nonchalantly says, "Who cares about books?" Oh, it was incredible. I wrote down that Arthur has a minor existential crisis. He looks like he looks like he aged ten years in that one <laughs> sentence that Buster said. Anyway, he looks like he just lost a Yu-Gi-Oh duel. <laughs> Buster's gonna send him to the shadow realm. Exactly. Arthur uh, ends up backing into one of the big books, and they uh, <laughs> just kind of end up dominoing. And the end of the cold open is all of this. Uh, all of these characters spilling out from all of these books just because of this one accident and Arthur's horror and shock that Buster doesn't care about books. What a great opening. Like, it's it's pretty... Some openings are like DW's Dear Friend where it's just kind of a slice of the episode, uh, but this is, like, kind of a high-concept way to set up the whole situation, and it's great. Mm, yeah. Uh, the I, also epi- wanted to, I also wanted to point out, this is the first time I've ever watched an episode uh, with someone else. Uh, usually I watch these episodes by myself, and so it was interesting. I watched this episode with my girlfriend. She's most certainly not an Arthur fan, so it was fun to see her perspective on the characters, and I'll, I'll chime in with what she thought of some of them. 
Yeah, I'd love to know what your girlfriend thought. Uh, okay, so the episode itself starts in Mr. Ratburn's class as they have a particularly difficult math problem on the board as they are just about to get out of class. Uh, and eventually, Mr. Ratburn uh, picks Buster, who, of course, has no idea what's going on. Right, he he's man- got a great line. He goes, am I the only one whose brain hurts? Yeah, and Buster manages to do uh, what I'm going to say is the math equivalent of a Steph Curry no-look three-pointer. <laughs> He just pulls. He just says zero, and he pulls the right answer out of his butt. It's it's great. I appreciate that reference. I also like that uh, after he pulls that out, uh, Buster goes, "I thought I was gonna die." <laughs> yeah, he's really serious about it. Uh, so the big thing here, the through line, is that they have a book report that's due the next day, and a couple of the kids are talking about what they're going to be doing it on. Uh, this got Arthur's... me to think. This got me thinking. I miss doing book reports. I actually like of all the homework assignments, that was one of the ones that I really should have appreciated more at the time because I really miss doing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I just, you know, uh, this podcast is essentially an audio book report on on <laughs> Arthur. Like I always like dissecting things and kind of thinking about like media in that ab- academic sort of way. That's how I enjoy movies, and so uh, book reports are the one chance you get to do that kind of within a structure, unless you're doing it as your job. So I kind of miss doing that. I mean, I guess, I guess I'd, I'd never really had much of a relationship with book reports, which is weird because I read all the time as a kid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I missed them necessarily, but they were I, – but I also didn't think about the fact that uh, an episodic podcast kind of is an audio book report. So, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, hand in your grades at the end of this episode, uh, and uh, we'll expect to have your book reports on our desks by Monday. Uh, so yeah, Arthur's saying that he can't decide between the two best books that he's read. Uh, Brain's doing, I wish I had written down the book that, uh, it's some manner of science book or some such. Uh, at this point, my girlfriend said, uh, she kind of rolled her eyes at the brain. Uh, she did. She was like, he needs to chill out. (laughs) And, uh, Fern is doing a mystery book called the case of the creaky shadow. Buster is not too worried about this book report. He says uh, they, in, in fact, he says they're no sweat. I want to take this moment and kind of note something here. I wanted to see if you noticed it too. Did you find Buster's voice was kind of weird in this episode? No, actually, I didn't notice that at all. I noticed this, act- well, actually, since I saw the episode for the first time when I was a kid, there's something strange about the way that Buster sounds. And I think, like, a- it's hard Do you remember exp- what episode number this is? I'm going to IMDB it right now. Okay. Uh, well, I can use the internet in front of me. I think it's episode uh, 9 or 10 of season 2. It's hard to explain, especially if you don't hear it like I do, but it sounds like the his voice has either been recorded in a different space, like the the audio quality is different, or I thought that maybe it could be that Buster's voice actor was maybe sick or under the weather uh, for this recording session, and I just kind of chalked it up to that. It, ju- it just sounds like strange enough, and I'm not sure whether to attribute that to the voice itself or to the equipment used uh, in that particular recording session. He, okay, he sa- so th- he- this, this IMDb page is not as helpful as I thought it was going to be. I kind of didn't think so. It's, but it's noticeable to me. It's it. He's kind of less over the top than Buster usually is, especially when. Huh. And he's he's a lot more uh, down to earth, I guess. Which I could see that happening if maybe uh, the voice actor didn't have the um, it like was sick or you know was kind of their their voice was ailing and maybe they couldn't go uh you know on a, a to a nine or to a ten as they usually like to. Anyway, just something I noticed. Let me know if you did, too. I just didn't uh, notice that at all. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and, of course, it's just years of watching Arthur and especially doing these close readings of them that we've been doing for the podcast. Uh, so we get a montage here of Arthur, Fern, and Brain diligently doing their book reports at night, really trying to get it done. And it's also interspersed with Buster watching what seems to be a horror movie marathon on TV with various different snacks. At this point, my girlfriend expressed that she would be most like Buster in this situation. Buster is definitely the kid that you would want to be. Uh, supremely confident about his workload and then just goofing off with food and horror movies. So I 
I really related to Buster there. It, I also liked I also liked this uh, uh, montage as done in like the twenty four style, where we get this like four way <laughs> split screen, and then Buster uh, is in one of the corners. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. I, I wish I had video editing skills so I could do that myself. So you could be one. like do 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 exactly. Uh, so the next day, Arthur's very tired because he had to get up extra early to finish his book report. And Buster has his already. It even has, like, a snazzy cover that he looks like he did himself on a book called Pakanong, a creature with the big face. Did I talk about how I did this in real life on the podcast before? I don't think so. Tell me. I, uh, I once faked a book report about uh, Joseph Conrad's Hearts of Darkness because oh. I, had seen, I had seen Apocalypse Now and I had read the Hearts of Darkness Wikipedia page and <laughs> I, was a good en- I was good enough at understanding how an English essay was supposed to be written that I was able to BS the entire thing. I, I almost certain I talked about this before on the podcast, but... Uh... It, does so- it does sound kind of familiar. What grade was that? Like grade eleven or something. Oh wow, that is that's late in the game. Like I, I got, see... I, I got a very good grade on it. <laughs> like I could see Buster getting away with this if he if he didn't want to be honest about it. I guess uh, there was but... no Wikipedia at the time, so that's true. In fact, we'll see why in a second. Uh, so Buster says that Arthur is interested in that book, but Buster says he can't loan it to him. Uh, Binky comes up and he says that he saw that same movie on the giant monster channel the night before. In fact, it affected him so much that he cried. I love that. It was so funny. Big, Big. ugly, misunderstood. I cried. It's (laughs) really the delivery that sells it. It's a good throwaway line. Uh, so Arthur's dismayed that Buster did his book report about a movie, but, (laughs) oh boy, Buster's reasoning for this is as such he says that all movies come from books, which may be, which may seem true today, but technically isn't true. And back in 1996 was even less true. It's just funny kid logic. Like, I can see how Buster, not having read any books himself, would have come to this conclusion had nobody told him. For sure. And, and, and really, this is the first time. Like, he says all movies come from books. Arthur shakes his head no, and then he just goes, they don't? Uh oh, and that's all it takes. Uh, I'll also now, say this yeah. is where my girlfriend started to point out that Arthur was being very judgy in this entire episode, <laughs> and I get, I understand because I get the characters that like he's just his friend and he's worried about his grades and he's trying to help him. But to someone who hasn't seen any other Arthur episodes out of context, it does seem like Arthur is like he's not minding his own business. He's not staying in his lane. Like mm. this whole episode, he's like totally distraught that our uh, Buster doesn't like reading. Yeah, he is. But I, I mean, reading is such a part of Arthur's identity. It is a little, right. it is a little like inserting himself into Buster's life. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I think he means well by it, but sure. I, I, I totally get where she's coming from. So they go to prehistoric Wikipedia, the library, and uh, get uh, Miss Turner to check and see if Pakanong is a book, which it is not. So Buster can't, in good conscience, use his book report, which I have to commend him for doing that. Again, if he were, uh, if he were someone of a, if he were, if he had a bit more Lucas Mancini in him, he would have rolled with it and probably got a good grade. They're sort of uh, discussing how bad Buster's grade's going to be. Uh, and they're saying that Mr. Rapperin's going to give him a grade worse than an F, possibly an F minus, even a G or an H. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down too. <laughs> that was funny. Um, I also noted here that this is maybe the first confirmation that we get that uh, Buster's dad. Buster says, "My dad's a pilot. Maybe he can fly me out of the country." Yeah. Everybody's sort of just overreacting to this situation, but it's like it's a very kid thing. Like this would be the end of the world for you if you were a kid. But Arthur's got this sort of righteous horror about the whole thing, uh, and then Buster just thinks like it's the end for him. Like he thinks it's all over. Uh, uh, when they talk about how the solution to the problems possibly when it's not, you know, packing his bags and moving away in the my brother, my mother and me style. Uh, his other solution is to go and talk to Mr. Rappert about it, which is what I would have done in this situation. Uh, and Buster says it's actually pretty adult of him. He goes, it's better than running uh, and cr- running home and crying, which yeah. is true. It is better. Yeah, I really have to commend him here. Like, th- this is this is pr- the, the honorable thing to do. He's He uh, admits that he's wrong, and he kind of steps up and accepts the consequences. 
that's a, uh, once again another like in adventures of lucas's academic uh uh schmarming uh i did that all the time in like junior high uh i would always be like oh can i have an extension for this like oh, we have a lot of workload with the other cl-. like that's a lucas man cd 101 is trying to procure extensions no way dude i never asked for an extension i am a deadline master oh no oh yeah i was I was Mr. Extension. That's what they called me uh, in my year. More, more reasons than one. Ew. But I, ew. Uh, I, ew, I, ew, I, ew, ew. No, but I, I was always, always, it was because I uh, like to wear fake long hair. But uh, I was always. Uh, uh, that's why. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I always, like, wanted more time just because I was, I was Mr. Last Minute. That's what they called you that too, eh? Yeah. I had a lot of nicknames in high school. Yeah, a lot a of. popular guy. Ugh, a lot of nicknames. I don't know if I'd want to stick with me after high school <laughs> or during. Uh, yeah, then Buster faces the music and Arthur comes in. He does so before class. And Buster says, uh, uh, Rapper said that if he can do a proper book report by Friday, then he won't get penalized. And this is the first time when I was a kid that I heard the word penalized. So I looked it up afterwards. Very reasonable of Mr. Ratburn. I think he did the right thing in this situation. He saw it as an opportunity, as a teachable moment, uh, uh, and gave Buster the extension. Absolutely. Uh, they're in the lunchroom next because Buster looked dejected, even though Arthur's like, that's great, you get an extension. Uh, and Buster finally comes clean with something that seems like a little bit of a, of a retcon. Speaking uh, of continuity, I was going to uh, <laughs> mention this as well. Uh, Buster, it says, uh, he says, I have a confession to make. I've never read a whole book in my entire life to the shock of everybody around the table. People are like spitting food out. Uh, I think it's brain who does a spit take or someone does a spit take. Yeah. Brain does. Arthur doesn't even want to believe it. He goes, that's not true. Yeah. He, he immediately just goes, sure you did. And then (laughs) Buster denies it. And then Buster and Arthur's like, yes, you did. And because his example is the scare your pants off club books and to which Buster cops, I watched the TV show, Oh. which I wonder in Arthur was the scare your pants off club show filmed in Canada, much like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark were both filmed in Canada as well. Had to have been, had to have been. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I like I, I didn't think too much into this, uh, but I'm pretty sure that there's a couple of examples in, in the first season Beyond the scare your pants off club books of like Buster reading a book. Oh yeah, but, this is a this is a total retcon. Big time. Uh, but I at least they 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 didn't just ignore it. They tried to address it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so they're trying to figure out ways that they're trying to suggest books that he can read or types of books that he can read for his first ever book. Uh, no one suggested the good book, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> No, they didn't. <laughs> no, as a matter of fact. For your first book, why not read the most popular book on Earth? I guess maybe that would be the Quran. I don't actually have a running tally, uh, but either of the two. Pick one. Uh, Francine suggests Ponies Go to Paris, which was her first book. Um, the Brain suggests a, uh, I think it was like a book on molecules. On, yeah, it, the molecular it, structure of something. Yeah, changed his life. Uh, so finally, um, oh, what the heck was the, what was the, what was the first book that Arthur gave him to read? Oh, it was the, it was the new, uh, Scare Your Pants Off Scare Your Pants Off. Yeah, Uh, it was. The the Jumping Peanut. Yeah, The Curse of the Jumping Peanut. So, uh, Arthur gives that to Buster to read, and then they see him the next day. He and, Arthur and Francine kind of take this upon themselves to get him to read something. And Buster says that he only made it to page two. Uh, so they try a different one after that. I believe, is this Sam and the Sandwich Factory? This is Sam and the Sandwich Factory. Uh, and I, the reason it sticks out so much in my mind is the unique art style they give this. And pretty much all the other, like, book parodies we see in this episode. Yeah, the animators, again, getting to flex their muscle a little bit. And it makes sense in the context of the story. And getting to, uh, kind of see Buster's reading process and uh, see into these books in the world of Arthur. So Sam and the Sandwich Factory, if you can't tell, is a direct parody of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Buster imagines himself in the role of Sam, who is the role of Charlie. 
uh, as they go through the sand the sandwich factory. And uh, yeah, so the the animation style is a bit more like uh, it's kind of inked in a different way, and it almost it's basically looks... trying to look like those old roll doll covers. Yeah, pretty much. And I think it does a really good job. It's very striking. Mm. Uh, the the book, however, of Sam and the Sandwich Factory, unlike Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, seems kind of tragic. Like the idea, the scene that Buster's reading is that. Uh, Sam bit into a golden sandwich instead of a golden ticket and broke off all his teeth and he's won all the real sandwiches he can eat but he can't chew them and it just and it just ends with Buster going oh I'm so hungry like he has <laughs> like he like he can't talk through his teeth anymore and it's just like this book sounds really sad like I don't know why you would want to read it <laughs> well, you know, some people look. Some people like Darren Aronofsky movies. Some people like to read Sam and the Sandwich Factory. Uh, so, unfortunately, they can't read that book because it made Buster too hungry, and they find him later at the Sugar Bowl eating an ice cream cone. The next book they try is the Jolly Jollisters, which is so. The other books that Buster's reading here have direct analogs in real life. This one, I'm really not sure. I, I I assumed it was like just sort of like a, a a Hardy Boys kind of parody of like oh you know crime solving family. Uh, I'm let me try and do a ancillary Google search because you're right it's it, it doesn't seem to be as direct of a parody as either Sam and the Sandwich Factory or the uh, third book. Well, it just seemed kind of strange because like again it's kind of animated in the same style, but they have such a weird way of speaking. It's it's like I don't know. It, they're just like, this is a mystery that we must solve. Yes, bud, we must. So the two see that best... that's that says Hardy Boys to me, but we but, oh wait 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 okay oh uh, we just totally just didn't have the uh, cultural uh, we didn't have the knowledge of this uh, apparently very popular series, the Happy Hollisters, a series uh -oh. of books about a family who loves to solve mysteries. It was uh, written by Andrew E. Sevenson uh, between 1910 and 1975 under the pseudonym Jerry West. I've never heard of that before in my life. A so, young uh, American middle-class family solving mysteries from their home on Pine Lake. Uh, five children, family of cats, and a dog named Burrow. Uh, list of titles. Here we go. There's the Happy Hollisters. The Happy Hollisters on a river trip. The Happy Hollisters at Seagull Beach. Ooh, the Happy Hollisters in the Indian Treasure. Oh. Mystery Mountain. Snowflake Camp. Ooh, the Trading Post Mystery. Circus <laughs> Island. The Secret Fort. Ooh, the Merry-Go-Round Mystery. Kind of pulling it back from Secret Fort. Pony Hill Farm. The Old Clipper Ship. Lizard Cove. The Scarecrow Mystery. The Mystery of the Totem Faces. I'm sure that one holds up culturally extremely well. <laughs> Uh, the ice carnival mystery. Now they're just getting lazy. They already had a carnival mystery. They just added ice. The mystery is Skyscaper City. The Little Mermaid. Mistletown. Cowboy mystery. Haunted house mystery. The secret of the lucky coins. It's not even a mystery. Castle Rock mystery. The Cuckoo Clock mystery. Swiss Echo mystery. Uh, I'm just gonna... There's about 33 of these. The mystery of the Midnight Trolls. The mystery of the Mexican Idol. What? Uh-oh. Do they meet Serena? <laughs> Selena, excuse me. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, Selena right. is what I meant to say. Do they meet Selena? The mystery of the golden witch. The whistle pig. The, the happy Hollisters and the punch and Judy mystery. Okay. <laughs> I'm closing this Wikipedia article. Oh, man, I got to look that up. I had no idea that that existed. But, yeah, that's that's pretty blatant. The two guys Now it, now it makes sense their manner of speech was so specific, though, because they were obviously parodying, parodying the Happy Hollisters. Yeah, big time. Uh, my guess is where I thought it was either a parody of Little House on the Prairie or the Timber Toes from Highlights for Children magazine. It does have a very, like, I assume these books are for, like, a young audience because it has that sort of uh, uh, prose yeah, and because it is also like a step down from Sam and the Sandwich Factory in terms of like reading difficulty. Oh, anyway, I, I didn't notice that they are like in declining difficulty. Yeah, because they're just trying to get him through a book no matter what. So just so that he can do the book report. Uh, so unfortunately, he stops reading that one as well. Um, and 
then the next step down is Arthur holding him a book called I Don't Want to Go to Afka Fazoom, which is undeniably Dr. Seuss. Oh, and there's so many things that are great about this. For one, they nail the Dr. Seuss art style and writing style perfectly. Yeah. But two, the detail that I thought was really clever was like, Buster is narrating the story as he is with all these other books where it's sort of Buster reading the page and then we see an animation of what he's describing. But you could tell he's just like really confused with all the made up words like in his read like whatever he has to read like a make it up character that would be in a Dr. Seuss book he sort of stumbles over of it and is like kind of confused about the whole thing. Yeah he's just like the bongo gremers Waved as we passed. <laughs> like, they could have played it straight, but I like how they had, like, it's just this extra context of, like, oh, yeah, Buster's, like, not into this at all. <laughs> no way. And that's kind of a clue of why he's having trouble getting through these. Uh, but, yeah, no, it is, like, a spot-on Dr. Seuss parody. It almost feels like this could have been a book that he wrote. Uh, so, so instead of instead of I have to say, I was actually pretty invested. I wanted to see how it was going to end. Just like the car says, they were getting to the good part. Yeah, I've always wanted to know why they didn't want to go to Afka for Zoom. Uh, but yeah, Buster does stop reading that one too, uh, and he's running out of time. It's the day before. Um, it's the day before um, the book report is due. Uh, I believe it's when Arthur gives him Afka for Zoom, and uh, Buster asks him about another book that he's got under his arm, and that's Robin Hood. And Buster kind of takes a look inside and is immediately in- interested in what he's got there. So again, so Buster failed to read. I don't want to go to Afka for Zoom, and uh, they're at the Sugar Bowl, uh, and he, and Buster says, uh, Arthur's basically saying you can't go your whole life without reading, and Buster's like, I'll just get rich and pay the brain to read for me. <laughs> he his his I love this. He goes, so I'm not a reader, and he kind of shrugs his shoulders. He's so I'm not a reader. I'll just become rich and pay the brain to do that stuff. It's a very uh, Buster channeling his inner Floyd Mayweather. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you can't read. You can still get very rich otherwise. That's true. And I mean, to be fair, Buster saying that he's not a reader is... It's it's fine. Like, it's it would it, it would have been weird for me to say that as a kid because I was a huge reader like Arthur. But, like, there are just some kids that... Some people who just don't really like reading. And that's fine. I feel like sometimes that train of thought is maybe maybe not demonized but kind of like not focused on but there are totally kids who won't be interested in reading or in buster's case just doesn't find stuff that he's that they're interested in reading so that's the thing that's the thing and i think uh uh i think this episode does a good job of telling this point but i think the big problem is a lot of people who say they're not readers just haven't found the book that's right for them that's right uh so arthur Arthur hands him an like a baby book, like an insultingly short book, just <laughs> just called Blue, and it's you know it's what you think. It's the sky is blue, the ocean is blue, which weirdly, even though it's real, it's like it's like the size of a pamphlet. But Buster can't even finish that. He can't bring himself to finish Blue, but then he finds uh, Robin Hood, which he borrowed from Arthur, and then meets him at school the next day and says that he was up all night reading Robin Hood and he's almost done which is actually farther than Arthur has gotten in the book at this point. So Buster did does his book report on Robin Hood. However, he asked Bradburn if it's if it's okay if it has a cliffhanger ending cuz he hasn't finished it yet. Which I, I actually think I kind of think is a punk move by Buster. Like I, I just finish the book and do your report and I think how, Mr. Rapper was being really reasonable giving him that extension. I think he's being too reasonable here. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's great. You didn't finish the book? Oh, just read it next time. Yeah, it's real. It's real, like, elementary school, uh, American public school system. Just get him through. Yeah. <laughs> just get those numbers. Uh, so Arthur is excited that Buster really likes Robin Hood. And the episode ends with them going back to the treehouse and reading Robin Hood together. And finishing the book themselves. All right, so uh, two two uh, two very interesting episodes. Let's go back to DW's dear friend. What'd you think? Uh, I liked this episode. It's another one of those episodes, like you always say, that if you're not a fan of DW, it's really going to get on your nerves. And I'm a big fan of DW, but even there were some points in this episode where even I could feel for Dar- Arthur, and she was being a little like too over the top, especially when she was crying about the. Uh, 
her parents won't let her meet any wild animals. Yeah. Uh, besides that, though, there's so many great lines. I love that the whole setting of the episode, the fact that they're going camping, it's just like a fun, you feel like you're on a trip with them. Uh, and I like the conceit of like, DW just wants to see all these wild animals and she's kind of disappointed by nature not being this sort of Disney-fied, all the animals come and hang out with you version of nature. She's disappointed by the reality of the situation. Uh, so I did like it. Uh, I will say my big, I guess my big negative thing is Walter's voice, which I just thought was a little strange and off-putting. Uh, but besides that, I think it's a good episode. My other criticism of it, I think, is that sometimes it just kind of halts to teach you a lesson, which is kind of a clunky way to do that. It's usually something I pride Arthur on not doing, uh, but that's just a little bit of a clunky writing in there. Besides that, some great lines. I like the episode. I liked it too, and I think I'm a little bit more maybe forgiving of it. I actually thought that I, I liked those, the inclusion of... I guess the moral of the story into the episode, but I, I, I think you make a very good point that it could have been uh, weaved in there uh, a little more subtly, or at least not so clunky, as you said. It kind of, I, it's kind of not something I considered until you said that. So I think that's a good point. Um, I think that the the writing at at other times this episode is very clever, and I am indicating the uh, the shot across the bow at educational TV once again, which I really like it when Arthur gets kind of subversive a little bit and kind of. Mm. Uh, has that little bit of an attitude about where it is. So I thought that was cool. Uh, I, yeah, no, some some great lines in here. I thought it moved along really quick. Uh, yeah, Walter's voice is really weird. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the greatest or anything, but it's fun, and I, I, and I enjoyed it. Um, I would probably say the same about uh, Buster Hits the Books. Um, the more I kind of think about it, the more I'm glad that this episode... So. When I was watching it and it came to the conclusion of like, well, Buster's just never found a book that he really liked. And for me, that's strange because when I was Buster's age, there was hardly a book that I didn't like. And it was weird for me to think about like he's never found a book that he likes like ever in his life to this point. But I think it's important that that side of uh, – or rather that that type of childhood experience is represented. Like later on in the show, we get – uh, George, who is dyslexic, which is an entirely uh, different experience altogether, and I th- and it kind of seems like they might be going that way, as in like Buster has like learning difficulties or something, because when he's reading the books, he keeps kind of drifting off or doing something else. But the point is, is that he's never found something that's interested him, and I and and that's that's a big p- point of the kids kind of misunderstanding Buster's difficulty. They just kind of think Buster's maybe not as smart as them. That's why they keep giving him simpler and simpler books to read. But the problem isn't that; it's that Buster's not engaged. Yeah, and it and it really illustrates the fact that that that's never been explored with Buster, and so he's been missing out on all this time enjoying reading. Uh, when he could have been uh, and reading all of these books as cool as Robin Hood, um, I thought I thought that uh, despite Buster's voice sounding weird for me, I thought it actually added to the episode. He sounded a lot more like grave and subdued, and it kind of added to how seriously Buster was taking the situation. It's almost a a side of him that we've never seen of him kind of taking things more seriously, and I and I appreciated that. I really uh, kind of liked where Buster's character went in this episode. Uh, and I liked the journey through the different types of books. I thought that was really fun. Uh, at this point, I might say that this is kind of on the lower end of one of my favorite episodes of the season. Again, I've kind of said that season two is not exactly right pickings at this point, but I, uh, but, but that's not to talk this episode down at all. I, re- I really liked it, and I thought it was very creative and uh, important for a younger, a younger audience that would be watching it. Big surprise, I loved a, Bar- a Buster episode. Uh, <laughs> I-, I adored this episode. I thought it was, what? I thought it was really, really funny. Like, I know you liked some of the lines in DW's Dear Friend, but I was, like, busting a gut at, like, Arthur's, like, scream of terror when <laughs> Buster told him he didn't like reading. Uh, I loved, like, Buster had some weirdly, like, adult lines, like, when he's like, so I'm not a reader, I'll just become rich, like, that's really funny when he's talking about, like, it's better than running and crying home, or that he wants to move away when he's scared he's gonna fail, uh, there was a lot of lines in this episode that, like, I found myself, like, laughing pretty hard at, so I thought it was a really funny episode, and I totally agree with everything you said about how, uh, it's an interesting angle to take about how some people don't like reading just because they haven't found a book that appeals to subject matter they 
that appeals to them. And I feel like it's a message that a lot of kids need to hear. It's kind of the purpose of like the Scholastic Book Order or a lot of summer reading programs at libraries is sort of not tricking kids into finding a book that they like, but sort of trying to engaging the engage them on their level so they can come to their love of reading by themselves rather than forcing them to read something they don't want to read. A great point. And uh, I'm happy to say that the Scholastic Book Orders are still alive and well. Uh, I got to read a new one at my at my sister's recently, so that is still going on. And uh, hopefully you loved the Scholastic Book Orders as much as we did. And hopefully you uh, enjoyed these episodes as much as we did, too. Okay, so, uh, all right. Here are the ways that you can get in touch with the podcast real quick before we end off this episode. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL Podcast on Twitter, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Uh, we're updating our social every day or practically every day. Uh, you can email us, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you about anything and everything. You can find us over on Apple Podcasts. I need to get used to saying that instead of the iTunes store. We're on Apple Podcasts. That is, uh, of course, Elwood City Limits. Give us a rating and review if you're over there. Please and thank you. We really appreciate it. You can find us on the Google Play Store. Uh, I want to thank uh, Corbon Garcia. Recently, we changed podcast providers, and uh, Elwood City Limits was down on the Google Play Store and on Apple Podcasts for a while, but they are back there. Everything is as good as new, so you can visit us there. Or if you want it directly from the source, go to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. That's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Lucas, next week's pair of episodes are going to be... This is a this is a turning point in the show, I, I'm not going to lie to you, and it has to do with our main man, Buster. Next week's episodes are Arthur's Faraway Friend and Arthur and the Square Dance. Oh, I, I only I have the vaguest memories of what this could be, so I'm excited. Oh man, I can't wait for us to dig into that one, and I can't wait for you to be with us as well. And hey, uh, recently today is we're recording this on the 16th, and it was five days ago that we celebrated one year of Elwood City Limits. Elwood Woo! City, Elwood City Limits. Uh, uh, we started that on the 11th of August. And one year later, we are still going strong onto uh, the second season, and uh, it's been a great ride. And we want to say a big, big thank you to all of the listeners who have been here since episode one. If you're joining us for this latest episode, we want to thank you for coming on and uh, for everybody in between who has supported us, uh, offered us help, uh, retweeted us, liked us, favorited us, uh, reblogged us, sent us emails, sent us feedback, and everything else. And uh, yeah, without you, we wouldn't be doing this. So thank you once again. Lucas, it's been a great year podcasting with you, and I look forward to hopefully many more. Ditto. All right. Uh, anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, I'm excited to play Sonic Mania. Uh, it looks hey. like a lot of fun. Um, I'm uh, enjoying know- this season of Rick and Morty. Uh, just like every other like white guy on the earth, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's anything else. Um, I really just want to play Sonic Mania. Sonic, so Man- cool. Sonic Mania does look pretty tight. Like I, I and I've been the good feedback I'm hearing is really uh, burgeoning me to that maybe I should actually check this one out. <laughs> and any final th- thoughts? Oh man. Uh, uh, uh... So this is fishing, huh? That's fishing, and that's Elwood City Limits. Hey, Lucas, one more time, thanks again for a great year of this podcast. And here's to the next year ahead of us. Uh, We've got some big plans for you coming up. So stay tuned. Keep it subscribed. Keep it locked wherever you do that. Uh, For my my co-host, Lucas Mancini, my name is Will Young. And that's it for another episode of Elwood City Limits. Catch you next time.